Hi there, I'm your host, Eddie, and you're listening to The Motion, a podcast about examining entertainment law and copyright from an audience's perspective. In this podcast, we'll be covering copyright infringement, music history, intellectual property cases, as well as current legal news and issues in the entertainment industry. I find it's interesting to break down and get into the details of cases and question our current copyright system because it seems like it's not really working for musicians and artists anyway. I started this podcast because I've always been so intrigued by entertainment law. In the music and entertainment industry, the outcomes of trials and settlements can affect the laws and standards that are already in place. And that could change the future of music and film for audiences and artists alike. On this show, we'll be covering historical copyright cases, following current cases and their outcomes to show you how the copyright system is broken. We'll also get into definitions of legal terms, delving into details of record deals, and examining streaming services like Spotify. I want this podcast to be a place to learn about these cases and subjects from an audience and creator's point of view. I want to take a deep dive into entertainment law. As much as I can, I'm not an attorney, but I'll do my best and uncover the details of these cases and laws in this industry and how they affect us. Let's go behind the scenes a bit and see if we can make sense of it all. Let me tell you a story about copyright. On July 18, 2019, in downtown LA, Katy Perry walks up the steps to the federal courthouse wearing a mint green suit and cat-eye glasses while paparazzi hounds her with questions asking her over and over, have you ever heard the song Joyful Noise? She ignores them and walks inside. In this episode of The Motion, we'll be discussing ostinatos, dark magic, and Christian rap. So join us as we dive into the Joyful Noise and Dark Horse case. Last year, there were some pretty big developments in the case of Katy Perry's 2013 hit single Dark Horse being accused of copyright infringement by an artist named Marcus Gray, a.k.a. Flame, for his 2009 track, Joyful Noise. Gray said that Perry had copied Joyful Noise's main hook and used it in Dark Horse. Let's get into it. The copyright infringement lawsuit brought against Katy Perry in 2018 was very interesting, because infringement cases don't end up going to trial most of the time. The reason being is, it's really hard to prove copyright infringement. There's no concrete definition of what actually constitutes infringement. There are no rules about how many notes can or can't be copied, or any standards that melodies must meet to be considered identical. Judges leave it up to a jury to decide whether two songs are considered substantially similar. That being said, usually this makes things very complex. Most cases just end up being settled in or out of court, and some cases are even dismissed altogether. In an article about this case from the New York Times, Nancy Coleman explained, quote, The unpredictability of this system often functions as an incentive for parties to settle, one reason trials like Perry's are relatively rare. In 2008, Marcus Gray, also known as Flame, wrote Joyful Noise, a Christian rap song with Emmanuel Lambert and Chike Ojikwu featuring Lecrae on vocals. Dark Horse was released in September 2013 as a single from Katy Perry's fourth studio album, Prism. Katy Perry and Sarah Hudson wrote the song along with Max Martin, Circuit, and producer Dr. Luke. They also commissioned Juicy J to rap on the intro and bridge of the song. Both songs were successful in their respective genres, 
Flame received a Grammy nomination for Best Rock or Rap Gospel Album in 2008 for the album Our World Redeemed, which Joyful Noise appears on. The track was nominated by the Gospel Music Association for Rap and Hip Hop Recorded Song of the Year in 2009, and Joyful Noise charted at number one on Gospel Billboard charts in 2014. Katy Perry's trap pop song Dark Horse charted number one on the U.S. Billboard charts for weeks. It also topped the charts in Canada and the Netherlands. It sold over 13.2 million units and was nominated for Best Pop Duo and Performance at the 57th Grammy Awards. The track won Best Female Video at the MTV Music Awards, Best Video at MTV Europe Awards, and Single of the Year at the American Music Awards. It was also nominated for many other awards between 2014 and 2015. In July of 2014, it was reported that Flame filed a lawsuit against Perry and all other songwriters associated with Dark Horse for copyright infringement. The lawsuit claims that the six-note backbeat used in Dark Horse was identical to Joyful Noise's hook. In August 2018, Judge Christina Ann Snyder ruled against a summary judgment. This means that she made a decision that the case was going to go to a full jury trial. It was now past the point of reaching a settlement or being dismissed. Her reason was she believed the plaintiff demonstrated a tribal issue of fact as to access because Joyful Noise achieved critical success, including a Grammy nomination, and was readily available and viewed millions of times on YouTube and MySpace. Three million views on YouTube to be specific. So now the case began to prep to go to trial. Opening arguments stated that the defendants infringed on the 2014 copyright of the plaintiff Flame. The claim was that Dark Horse caused damage and irreparable harm through their unauthorized copying, distribution, and public performance of the song. The court documents also claimed in the lawsuit that the content of Dark Horse was blasphemous and tarnished the religious message associated with joyful noise. Because Dark Horse's lyrics and video included elements of witchcraft, Illuminati symbols, and dark magic or anti-Christian imagery. Initially, there were technical difficulties in court that prevented the attorneys from playing Dark Horse for the jury, during which Perry joked, I could perform it for you live. During the trial, two musicologists testified as expert witnesses for each side. Musicologists are pretty much music historians so they would have a vast knowledge of music history and have studied and listened to way more music than most of us have. Understanding why music continues to evolve and change is a part of their job, as well as why it's important to us listeners. Todd Decker testified on behalf of Flame, and Lawrence Ferrero was an expert witness for Katy Perry and her team. Chosen Boy, who was a DJ for Flame in 2014, stated that Perry's song is identical to Joyful Noise, but 10 BPM, or beats per minute, slower in tempo and one step higher in pitch. Musicologist Todd Decker claimed that the songs share five or six points of similarity. Specifically, the ostinatos in both songs are either identical or nearly so in their phrase length, rhythm, pitch content, and timbre. An ostinato is a continually repeated musical phrase or rhythm, frequently in the same pitch, that persists throughout a piece of music. You've definitely heard them before in songs such as Daft Punk's Around the World, Rick James' Super Freak, and Nirvana Come As You Are, and those aren't the only ones, there are many, many more. 
Lawrence Ferreira, the musicologist testifying on behalf of Katy Perry and her team, argued that the common elements between the two songs were merely generic elements, and that Dark Horse contained similarities to many songs, including Mary Had a Little Lamb, Jolly Old St. Nicholas, and Merrily We Roll Along. During the trial, Katy Perry, Dr. Luke, and Max Martin all testified that they had never heard the track Joyful Noise. Flame's attorneys challenged Perry by noting that her musical career originated in Christian pop. Perry replied that during that time she was, quote, mostly always listening to secular music anyway, end quote. Also, Perry's defense team pointed out that the chances of Perry and the producers stumbling across Joyful Noise on YouTube was slim, simply because of the sheer amount of videos, in the trillions, that are uploaded to the site every year. And because of this, Joyful Noise was not widely accessible to audiences. Todd Decker claimed that the descending melodies of each ostinato are unique, and that he had not seen another piece that descends in the way these two do. In my opinion, I think that is a bold claim for musicologist Todd Decker to make. Just by the other examples given of older and well-known songs, it seems like a lot of songs have used this same descending note pattern. Also, as many journalists have already pointed out, both Dark Horse and Joyful Noise sound strikingly similar to the 1983 song Moments in Love by English avant-garde and synth-pop group Art of Noise. Moments in Love starts with a synth melody that includes an ostinato as well, and the track has been sampled and used in countless songs and remixes since it was released. We can listen to these songs and identify the patterns within them, and in no way are Dark Horse, Joyful Noise, and Moments in Love the only three songs using this technique or pattern. The attorney for Perry and fellow defendants accused Flame and the other plaintiff of, quote, trying to own basic building blocks of music, the alphabet of music that should be available to everyone, end quote. Her attorneys argued that the song sections in question represent the kind of simple musical elements that if found to be subject to copyright would hurt music and all songwriters in the future. Another argument from Perry's defense was that Ojikwu never registered the beat he produced, and later he licensed that beat to flame for joyful noise so therefore, the song was a derivative work in itself. A derivative work is any song that takes a pre-existing work and uses that material to create a new composition. It differs from a cover song, which is a more straightforward interpretation of an existing composition without significant alterations to the melody or lyrics. Examples of derivative works include translations, sampling or replaying, parodies, medleys, and song arrangements that change lyrics, abridge the music, or make other significant alterations to the original composition. Clearing derivative works is often very difficult. The copyright owner can set any price, take all the time they want, and reject the permission altogether. On July 29, 2019, a federal jury ruled in favor of Flame and his co-plaintiffs. The jury found that Perry, Sarah Hudson, Dr. Luke, Max Martin, and Circuit were all guilty of copyright infringement, along with Capitol Records, Warner Brothers Music Publishing, Cobalt Publishing, and Kaz Money Inc. After some deliberation, the jury eventually decided that Capitol Records must pay $2.78 million in damages, and Katy Perry herself was ordered to pay $550,000. On October 9th of last year, Perry and the other defendants filed an appeal against the decision, 
asking to overturn the verdict or grant them a new trial according to this statement, which reads, The legally unsupportable jury's verdict in this music copyright infringement case is widely recognized within the music industry and beyond as a grave miscarriage of justice. The erroneous verdicts in this case and the precedent established thereby present serious harm to music creators and to the music industry as a whole. The appeal also states that the track Joyful Noise is quite obscure, and that the song itself may have not actually sold any physical or digital copies, but was only played at religious events or in a venue capacity. It goes into extreme detail about the musical composition of the two tracks and how they differ. It also alleges that it was the plaintiff's burden to prove that the writers of Dark Horse searched or somehow listened to Joyful Noise, but they did not prove that at the trial. The outcome of this case really stood out to me, because it's not often that defendants are found guilty in these copyright infringement cases. It seems like it came down to really minor details that were just based on opinion and musicologist interpretations. I feel like this case will be important going forward in the history of copyright infringement. This case can establish that artists can claim copyright over a small set of notes that sound similar and it will be so much easier for people to claim that their work has been copied in the future. As for the appeal, let's wait to see what happens, and I'll be sure to cover that in a future episode. Head over to themotion.simplecast.com or check out the show notes to listen to examples of each track and compare them. As always, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, please share the podcast and also give us a five-star rating and review. If you have any ideas or topics you think we should cover, or just want to say hi, please send us an email at themotionpod at gmail.com. The Motion is written, produced, and recorded by me, Eddie. Music is by Machinima Sound. Follow us on Twitter at themotionpod and on Instagram at listen to the motion. Right now, a song I've been listening to a lot is Ego by Moni. Tweet me a favorite track of yours over at the Motion Pod, and we'll see you next.